out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today I talk with my artist friend Michael. I've known Michael for a few years now and had him on my list of people to speak to right from the start. He comes across quiet and reserved, but that is not the case. I think of him more as a thinker than a speaker. He thinks before he speaks and makes sense when he does say something. Having listened to his chat with Marva on Talking Orangutan's podcast, I realized that I had to have him on Meet Me in the Field. So I took the plunge and asked him. He immediately agreed. Yippee! Michael is an amazing artist. Have a look at his work at www.moonlightandmagic.co.za. There you can see what he gets up to in his workshop. This is a long chat, so let's get to it. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life Anon, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me directly or on any of my social media platforms. This is Michael's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Michael, good evening. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field. Hi, Freddie. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Thank you for coming through on a Friday evening. Thanks for having me, uh, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, you probably have better things to do than to chat to me on a Friday evening, but um, here we are indeed. So, as you know, this is our podcast about spiritual journeys. I've known you for a while now, mm. but... Once you were on Marvis podcast talking orangutan, I thought I now need to get this guy. You were on my list of people to get on. And that was just the incentive I needed to kick my butt into gear and ask you to come. So I'm very glad that you're here. Are you Capitanian? Okay. I was born in Kimberley. Kimberley? Um, yeah, 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 and uh, <laughs> small town. And uh, I, I came to Cape Town when I was 18. So okay. I consider myself Capitanian now. So you did your whole schooling and everything in Kimberley? Yeah. From an English yeah. English household? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Went to Kimberley Boys High. Okay. And it was quite nice, quite a good upbringing in a way. Um, quite sheltered from the politics in many, okay. like, not like the university towns. Okay. I was kind of oblivious to the politics, you know, it was quite yeah. a shock. Actually. How old are you now? I'm 50. So we're very much the same age. Yeah. But so was I. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I was so embarrassed to actually acknowledge that I didn't know who Nelson Mandela was. Yeah. I really did not know. When I saw Free Mandela, I thought, who is this? Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I started hearing about it and I thought, why don't I know about this shit? Yeah. And I grew up in Johannesburg, but I grew up in an Afrikaans. But that, that, that's but we so the so government sheltered, succeeded. That's yeah. exactly what... Exactly, the propaganda yeah. and the, the way the SABC was run. Yes. <laughs> it was <laughs> a shock. So, yeah. It was a shock to discover what... When I came to Cape Town... I suppose just to for my eyes to start opening, yeah. you know, it was really quite a, um, quite a shock to the system, yeah. you know. Totally so. Yeah. And did you grow up in re- with religion, um, or some form of spirituality? Not very religious. Um, 
No, I did go to church. I was Methodist um, when I was a kid. Um, when I was about 11, I tried to engage more in Christianity and then for about two years and then that's it. That was it, you know. What made you at 11 decide that that's what you want to do? Can you remember? Well, my father passed away when I was oh, okay. about 10. That's you know? young, eh? Yeah. Phew. And he was ill for about two years, so it was quite difficult. Okay. On, on everyone, and my mother included. Yeah, so then I kind of started the searching. I think, okay. You know? But there you didn't find what you were looking for, or, or, or for a while you, no, did, you, you thought didn't. you found what you were no, looking for. No, no. Yeah, I wasn't connected in church. I didn't find um, any spiritual spirituality in church, okay. you know, or... Um, I always remember, though, during my teens, having, like, a guiding force that eventually I would turn my back on, in a way, or it would just... I would, yeah, I would also ignore. Okay. But I felt this energy okay. or this force that was guiding me in my life, you know? Cool. Yeah. And did you come to Cape Town to study? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I came to study. I was at uh, art school. Oh, wow. Well. I studied art, yeah. Okay, Fine because art, you so. are an artist. Yeah, yeah. So you <laughs> I met an, a musician once, and I said to him, okay, so what do you do? He said, I'm a musician, a working musician. And I thought, that's a weird thing to say. But I now understand what he meant, kind of, I actually make a living by making music. Yeah. So, and you're a working artist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is your website called again? Moonlight and Magic, www.moonlightandmagic.co.za. I've got you as a, as a favorite on my, on my favorites, mm. because the stuff you do is absolutely amazing. Thank I you. I love yeah. it. Thank you. So, now you came to art school in Cape Town as an 18-year-old boy from the Platteland. Mm. Mm. And did the big city seduce you? Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> did, 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 did the big city look like a sexy girl and said, Come, Michael, come enjoy my pleasures. <laughs> and, and that's what you did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where was art school? In Cape Town itself? Yeah. Okay. Right there in, um, opposite the lobby in Cape Town. Oh, wow. Right in the city. I lived in Long Street for about a year. Oh, my God. You were right in the sin pit of Cape Town. Yeah, and before Long Street became like it is now, it was even, even more sinful. But... Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, a lot more authentic, you know. I lived across the road from the Mountain View Hotel with um, a lot of characters. In a flat? Um, upstairs above a shop. Okay, oh, cool. In, in, like with a couple of other people. Yeah. It was really bohemian. Like, like we're all those backpackers on now, one of those. Yeah. yeah oh, awesome. Yeah. It sounds lovely. It sounds completely bohemian. I kind of see Moulin Rouge type of... <laughs> <laughs> I well, see Moulin Rouge happening right in front of my eyes as, as you see. <laughs> that's a bit romantic. It was a bit debauched. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I went to visit Long Street. Not, uh, yeah, probably about a year ago. I went for a night on the on the town and went back to that place. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, it's actually a club now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you go upstairs into this club and that. But Long Street is. Uh, I didn't enjoy the energy. I, yeah. just, I found it to be um, unsettling. Yeah. And um, a lot of kind of desperation, mm. I felt. And I, I, I feel the same. It's just, it's just not where, where I want to be. No, no, me yeah. neither. And, but in those days, I suppose it also had an, an, uh, a kind of desperation. But it was, um, like I said, it was a little bit more authentic. There were yeah. the shops and the people and the mix of people and things. So when I um, think of art students, the picture I have in my head is this romanticized picture of somebody who 
who kind of looks at the world with different eyes mm. and invariably kind of searching mm. and expressing the, the searching through their art. Was, yeah. was, was that kind of the type of dude that you were in art school? Yeah, I think that's a good way of describing. I suppose you've got to try to get in touch with yourself, you know, yeah. um, which I was struggling with at that point in time. Yeah, it's a, it's a search to try and find a, a voice or your own authentic kind of signature in, yeah. your, in your own work, trying to find um, original originality and yeah. creativity, you know. And not, um, not really easy. I, I, in some ways, one shouldn't try. <laughs> one should just try to let it happen. Yeah, I just want to say just, let just it happen. Just stop trying. Relax back, <laughs> relax back into it instead, yeah. of, in, instead of fighting for it. Yeah. And was there any form of spirituality at that stage, or was kind of the search going on? We we were you no, spiritually. I losing, no, I was losing my way. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm an alcoholic. Okay. In recovery. Oh my you know, god! And, fabulous and place to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're an artist, it's great. Yeah. You know. <laughs> With time, that killed my creativity. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it fed it. To for, for and, a while. I was, and I was doing lots of drugs and things. Okay. And so it fed it for a while, it was working, you know, but um, it's a disease that takes hold and grips you and eventually kills your... Sucks your soul yeah, out. Yeah, exactly, and kills your uh, your creative spirit, you know, and your and your, your spirituality, yeah. you know. It's amazing how that works, that, that, that for a while it takes you up and, and, and you think that the shit works. Mm, mm. And suddenly it doesn't. Other people are... Friends of friends of mine, for instance, could stop and say, "Okay, mm. this doesn't work. I'm going to stop and I'm going to go back back to my grade." I couldn't. I yeah, was going to, I couldn't. So, so you're very much the, 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 the same path in that regard. Yeah, uh, there's a reason they call them call it spirits, you know. Yeah. Or, um, well, also drugs as well, but um, alcohol definitely gave me um, a spiritual uplift. I felt connected to the world. I felt um, grounded. I felt um, like uh, I belonged. Yeah. I felt there were times when I felt spiritual like I was look up at the heavens and like I felt like strong you know and uh, confident and all okay. that sort of stuff but that didn't last very long so you know? alcohol did this for you <laughs> yeah okay see drugs did that for me yeah alcohol was just an auxiliary thing that yeah that was happening yeah I think it just but marijuana for instance made me immediately feel Mm. Oh my God, I'm home. Okay, but I was a the, big mar- marijuana smoker as well. Okay, cool. So, so, so the two together were dream. Yeah. yeah, I just felt kind of all the anxiety. I actually saw my psych- my psychologist today, and we spoke about that. Is it was when I I smoked dope for the first time, and I started feeling re- relaxed. When I realized how tense I've been my whole life. If I think back at my life now, I was only anxiety. Mm. Did you experience the same type of thing? Definitely. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. So, so hence yeah. the fact that we get hooked. We we want that feeling. Mm. Mm. At what stage did you realize that the shit is not working for you anymore? That that drugs, alcohol's working against you. Mm, from about the age of thirty-three, thirty-four. Okay. Because I'm still and, relatively um, young. Yeah, yeah, and it was it got bad, you know, and it wasn't working. Um, I was losing my energy. All those things I described earlier were falling away, you know. Yeah. Um, but you were working as an artist now. Yeah, I was okay. working as an artist by then. Yeah, yeah. For yourself or yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've worked for yourself all your life, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Whoa. Well, a little bit in recovery, I've worked for other people. Um, 
I worked in a in a treatment center for a while. Good, yeah, okay. A recovery assistant. And I've worked in the film business as well, also for bosses and that. Okay. But in recovery? Yeah. In oh, recovery, God, that yeah. must be difficult. <laughs> because they, there's quite a lot of drugs and yeah, alcohol in that. I, I don't You're know. Just no, I'm, I'm in recovery, so I don't... I find that um, the idea of using or drinking or um, the temptation is very minimal. Yeah. Uh, the desire to use has left me. Yeah. You know, you know when I had a desire to drink? Yeah. Saturday night. This Saturday? Yeah. Okay. After the World Cup. Yeah. It was, there was kind of this celebratory at- atmosphere. Yeah. And I just, my head went, oh, drink will be really nice now. Drink will be really nice now. Yeah. And I was in the Karoo, so it was kind of, no, <laughs> no, don't, don't be ridiculous. Um, and this was the first time in a long time, but I blamed the Web Alice Trophy for it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there are other things going on. <laughs> I wonder how many people relapsed on Saturday. Because if I think about 12 years ago, where I was when we won the previous World Mm, Cup, it was ugly. Mm. (laughs) It was was really, really ugly. So so I'm I'm, I'm not beating myself up about it. It's kind of, you know, my name is Freddie, I'm an addict. My head is going to go to do those things. And I'm I'm way beyond (laughs) the phase where I'm hard on myself and beat myself up for it. I played the movie through. I didn't do it. It didn't upset my evening or anything, and life goes on, and that's cool. Well, so, I'll, I'll tell you a secret. I didn't even watch the game. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I didn't watch any rugby this year. This was the first game, the, okay. the only game that I've watched. Oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really as, as, as bad as you there. This guy was saying that in '95 he he had to, he passed out and he had to wake. <laughs> He's also in recovery. He's about five years sober, and he. Um, yeah, he, had to, he, he woke up and I had to ask what the score was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, South Africa just won the World Cup. Oh my God. It slipped yeah, 95 through. was pretty yeah. as well. 95 was a lot of alcohol, but mm. 2000, 2007 was mm. very, very much mm. drugs. Yeah. So, I mean, isn't it fantastic to be yeah, in recovery? Uh, to be absolutely. In space and to totally so. start living. You no, know, it's weird. I didn't experience the, the urge to drink during the game. Not at all. I was completely okay with whatever I was drinking at that stage. Coffee. Okay. Maybe it was this the adrenaline, the yeah. excitement. Eh? The, the, the excitement and then the realization. That's normally the problem that coming down. Mm. For, mm. for me, it's the when I was high and I come down or low and I come back up. Mm. The, those mm. two turning points. Mm. Those are dangerous points for me, which I know by now. Yeah. Yeah. So you came to recovery how long ago? At 33, so that's 17 years ago. No, 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 no. Oh. I, that's when I started fighting it. Okay. And that's when I stopped working, really. Um, and I was starting slowly to fade away. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and the fight was just uh, an impossible fight to win on my own. Okay. You know? And so was uh, it one of those things of you tried to stop drinking, you couldn't, you... Yeah, okay. stopped for two months. And smoking. Smoking weed and... Um, yeah, then I I stopped for I stopped alcohol for about a year and a half at that time, and then um, one day I thought, no, I'm sure I can drink um, a glass of wine every now and then, you know, mm-hmm. typical story. <laughs> and, <laughs> and how then, did that uh, work out for you? <laughs> it's, cool. a, it's such a good question that I was going to ask. And how did that work out for you? Because <laughs> you know exactly the answer to that. Uh, no, and then the crash, and then the last few years, well. And how long was it since you started? taking the glass of wine to realizing, oh, fuck, I'm in shit, again. Mm, 
I think in the back of my head it was there from the from the was beginning, it? but um, but back to my destructive drinking patterns didn't take that long. Okay. I think it um, maybe like two weeks. Oh wow! Maybe. So that was quick. It was quick, yeah. yeah. And I was an extremely self-destructive uh, oh, wow. drinker and user. And, and how long did this phase go on? About another three or four years. Okay. So I was 40 when I came into recovery. It's amazing how resilient we are, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We fuck ourselves up and we do it for a very, very long period of time. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. You know, I had burning kidneys, pain, continuous pain in my stomach, mm-hmm. burning throat. I was 15 kilograms lighter than oh I am. Oh, my God. And for the people who can't wasted. see Michael, he's already quite fit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't imagine no. what he must have looked like. No. Oh, my no. word. So what happened in recovery? How, di- how did you come into recovery? Just I just thought one day, well, my wife spoke to me. She said... Um, so you, know, you were married by, by, that, by yeah, that stage? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I got married when I was quite young, actually, when I was 24. Oh, wow. So I was married. Uh, so she's been through all the stuff with you yeah oh my word yeah. and um, yeah and then I just couldn't take the um, the dishonesty I think and yeah. the, and the all the deception the manipulation the living a life that was just so um, it become un- unbearable yeah you know? I couldn't I was drinking all the time yeah, nice and um, I just I, I I don't know whether I, that was my rock bottom point, but I just sort of threw in the towel and thought, okay, let me let me go to treatment, a treatment centre. But I think my turning points and rock bottoms have happened subsequently. Okay. You know? So you went into treatment. Yeah. And was that a twelve step twelve yeah. step facility where you yeah. got introduced to the steps and started going to AA and you know all all those type of things? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Straight cool. from the, from then and. Um, I was in treatment for three weeks in primary, which okay. was basically like a detox. And yeah. I can remember falling asleep all the time. In my <laughs> it's difficult, and, right? uh, and then, uh, then another two months. In, oh, cool. So I did almost three months in treatment. Okay. And even after that time, I was still wondering whether, two things I remember wondering, is whether the shaking would stop. Oh, are you serious? I was still shaking. You know, oh, my after, word. Into, into, um, after two months, let's say. And I wondered whether I'd ever get my sense of humor back. You know? yeah. <laughs> Those were the two things that worried me okay. the most, you know. Okay. And how long did it take for the shaking to stop and to get your sense no, of humor back? No, I think back? pretty much the three months or so. Once, okay. I was, once I was out of there, I was, I was much better. You know, my first AA meeting, I kind of thought maybe this is something that, that I can try out and that can work, you know. That's sort of... Uh, the moment I met someone like me and realized that, you know, I don't know why, but I thought I was the only person like that in the world, you know. It's fascinating. Yeah, I didn't. And uh, I think the thing is, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And once I could start to re- uh, identify that uh, I, I've got a disease called addiction or yeah. alcoholism, you know, and um, that's the, uh, the beginning of, yeah. of, a, of a recovery is just to identify what's wrong. I didn't know what was wrong. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Were you comfortable with the concept of a disease? Not, uh, not initially. Yeah. I think I had a type of desperation. Yeah. So I would even say, look, I'm going to just say it's a disease because then I can work at a solution, you know, yeah. at changing, at trying to change my lifestyle, trying to change my... Look at my, learn to know myself, look at myself, 
Yeah, and to recover. Yeah, to start recovering. Yeah. And you went into treatment wanting to stop drinking. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a sly smile. <laughs> What, what are you asking me exactly? <laughs> okay, so I know I went into treatment not to stop using or drinking. I, I went in because I wanted the chaos to stop. And I was kind of shocked when they told me that you now have to stop using and drinking. You can never drink or use again. I was kind of, oh, fuck. It, it was really kind of an, oh, fuck. I, I didn't realize that, that that is what's going to happen. Yeah, it's quite, that's a, yeah, it is a good question because... I don't know what my expectations were. I didn't, you know, some people say they're going to um, they're going to teach me how to drink like a gentleman <laughs> successfully. <laughs> yeah, or like normally and but um I don't know what ex- expectations I had. I think I kind of realized that this is the big turning point. You, know? you were desperate for change and yeah, whatever that, yeah. that that change entailed. Yeah, I would do. You you, you were going for that. Yeah, definitely. If okay. people told me you have to jump up and down a yeah. hundred times a day for for the next five yeah. years, I would have done it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so now you enter treatment. Yeah. And you go to your first AA meeting and you see that you're not alone. Yeah. And yeah. what happens for you now? Well, that kind of identification gave me hope. Okay. Because before, when I came in, I was hopeless. Yeah. It's an amazing sense of hope. I don't think people who, incredible. who haven't experienced this know what it means. If somebody says, I'm a month clean, or a month, and they put up no, their hand. 30 for days. Yeah, for me, 30 days is kind of, fuck, this guy for 30 days has not been using. <laughs> it was a miracle. Yeah. I'd been using for 20 years every day. Yeah. You know? For me, it was 17, somewhere around there. I was smoking weed from morning till night, yeah. to 20 years, maybe six months. So so the idea of somebody not having used for a year for yeah. you would have been an absolute yeah. miracle. Yeah, and imagine the hope, just to to identify with someone. I'll never forget at my thing. first AA meeting I went to in treatment. It was in, in Heart Bay, the mm. church in Heart Bay, and mm. we, the, the treatment people were, were standing together and... An oldish lady came walking up to us and she started chatting to us. The thought that went through my head was, this lady can't know that we're in a rehab because people who know we're in a rehab wouldn't come and talk to us. <laughs> and then we walked into the meeting and there she was. And I still thought kind of, surely these people won't identify with us in, in rehab. Mm. It was a few meetings later where I realized, but we're completely accepted there. They, they're actually very happy to have us there. And that kind of, Oh my God, so this is how it works. <laughs> <laughs> the newcomer is the most important person in this meeting. Yeah. Yeah. It freaked me out completely. <laughs> so now you meet the steps and you meet the word God and all those type of things. Yeah. And yeah. what happened for you then? Well, the first step is about yeah, acknowledging the problem. The, the problem and the second step is um, seeing that there's a, a solution yeah. so it's what's the problem and what's the solution you know and then um, the steps three to nine are, are about self-discovery and making right with other people and in that way you grow spiritually yeah. spiritually you know um, learning about self-awareness and awareness of the world around you and reality definitely yeah yeah and not always so easy you know like um waking up 
It's <laughs> 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 like sometimes I think like in recovery I'm in my ninth year now. In in fact I'm almost nine years. Oh cool. It's almost like, you know, you wake up and then you sort of lie in bed for a little while and you pull the duvet out and you put, put the alarm clock on snooze, you know. That's like the first year or the second year. <laughs> you know, then the, you stumble the kind of out of bed and, and then yeah. you put coffee on and then you kind of, that's third and fourth year. And then you go and wash your face the fifth year. So I think it's, for me, it's been a process. So okay. You know, I think to suddenly wake up and like run out of the bedroom and start the car and drive off it's not been my story (laughs) it's been a uh, i'm a bit stubborn i think and um, is it yeah and i think but i think once you've kind of got dressed and you you've you've had a shave and you've had breakfast (laughs) i like this analogy (laughs) and you've had breakfast and that then um then I think it gets a little bit better because then you're really starting to wake up. You yeah. Know, facing reality. I'm the type of person that was in full flight from yeah, reality. As well. You know. I could spend hours in fantasy mm. when I wasn't mm. high. Mm. I, I could just take myself away no. from, from here anyway. No, me too. And then when I met it, we spoke realized about I could take something and it would take me away. It's got, wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, for sure. And we were talking about books earlier. I used to read almost ah. almost as an escape, yeah. completely. Me as well. My mother always said I went into lockdown. Mm. While I was reading a book, I did not want to engage with anybody. It was difficult to get me out to come and eat. Because mm. Mm. I'm in this fantasy. Don't pull me out. Don't, mm. don't mm. let me engage with, with reality. Mm. Mm. And that's how I felt in rehab as well. I felt the minute those gates closed behind me, I felt the baddies outside. Mm. And I, I didn't want to go to meetings. Mm. I, I didn't want to leave the premises because the bad was outside. Yeah. If we look at the AA Big Book definition of a spiritual awakening, yours was definitely not the lightning. The lightning <laughs> the sudden, sudden. So yours was the, the soft. They, they call it what, the educational variety. Yes, that's the <laughs> word. They, I, I, I couldn't remember the word. No, it's now. a gradual, I think it's a gradual... Um, Awareness, a gradual growth of awareness. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't think they they're different. They're that different from each other. You know, in terms of if you have a sudden awakening, I think you still have to maintain it. For one, Absolutely. you can always go back to sleep. You know, <laughs> you can always go back to the duvet yeah. and and you can relapse. You know, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, relapse is such a reality of of what we're dealing with. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, but it is. Yeah, it is. You know, I think we live in a very addictive society and um, things are desire things that people try and sell are designed to be addictive. Yeah. You know? So you haven't relapsed yet? I relapsed on weed in recovery. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But okay. not alcohol. And how was that? Uh, what did it feel like? Um, no, it wasn't nice at all. It wasn't... It was um, it was like going back to hell. Is it? You know, yeah. So they say kind of recovery fucks up your using. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so tell me about your your spirituality today. What is it that you believe that you mm. do that you you subscribe to? Hmm. Um. Sure, that's quite a question. I think you know what Mava and I was talking about a lot was. Um, was about awareness and um, yeah, becoming self-aware, you know, and that's been a big part of, of recovery for me. Um, and 
you know, we talk about uh, God or a power greater than ourselves, and and recovery has been about coming to terms with that and overcoming a prejudice yes. that I had, and ultimately, yeah, a prejudice is what I think I know. You know, like what I think I know God is, what I think I know people are, what I think I know life is about, ah. what I think I know reality is. Yes. It's a, it's about trying to be open, and that's been my recovery has been about trying to develop open-mindedness and um and to become friendly with myself Oof. Think, um, <laughs> Oof. yeah <laughs> that's a big order <laughs> yeah yeah accepting accepting who i am yeah like i said starting to like myself and grow and develop as a man and a human being you know i was reading uh, this article from about this woman who's in recovery no this man that's in recovery who um he was talking about ego deflation and how people come into recovery have really broken sometimes some people come into recovery really broken yeah. from abuse and um, painful um things that happened during their childhood kind of trauma kind of yeah, yeah. And, and he saw the 12 steps his criticism of the 12 steps was that it's like a deflation of your ego ah. you know but um you know what i think about a lot is is what this guy once told me this guy bob um he told me that your <laughs> ego <laughs> and not dr bob <laughs> no not dr bob another bob <laughs> and the reason why i say dr bob because dr bob was one of the founders of aa so it would have been so funny oh, i spoke to dr bob i spoke to bob <laughs> we were first name to channel through yeah. <laughs> What he says about the ego is quite nice, and I and and I can relate to it. You know, your ego shouts at you all the time and tells you lies, basically. So this guy in his article, not Bob, but this other guy, was questioning this ego deflation as a type of that it's not good for someone with that's been damaged and has got low self-esteem. That ego deflation is not good. But my that's not my experience because. My ego will shout at me and tell me lies, and yeah. it'll tell me I'm better than, um, I'm more spiritual than, I'm um, more successful, I'm superior to. It'll tell me all the shout at me and tell me those things. You know, then I'll buy a, a fancy car if if I could afford it. I'd buy a fancy car and I'd buy a big house, and because my ego is shouting and telling mm. me that that's what it wants, you know. But at the same time, and often very much at the same time, my ego shouts at me and say, tells me, you know, you're going to fail. You know, mm. And you're not good enough. Yeah. And um, you're damaged. You're a victim. You're, you're, you're hopeless. You know, you're useless. You're worthless. It shouts at me and tells me yeah. those things. And both of those things are lies. So it's giving you the two sides of the coin. Yeah. yeah. Both sides of the coin. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So do you agree that recovery is about balance? It's about finding that Definitely. center of, of, of Definitely. Of, of that coin. Definitely. I mean I mean the Definitely one of my first realizations when I went to treatment in 2010 was that my ego was enormous. You know, I thought I was like a rock star. Oh, you know? And I mean I and I, you know I'd been like almost in the gutter. <laughs> yeah. But I thought I was great, you know, and I thought I was better than a lot of people I thought my art I was great man I thought I was wonderful but really also deep down inside I felt like shit mm. you know I felt 
horrible, you know, and shameful. And um, so that's this extreme, you know, and you talk about balance. And I think recovery has helped the ego to come, my ego to sort of reach a middle ground so that I can listen to it. I love the recovery term for humility is right-sizing. Yeah. It's that realizing that I'm not better than everybody else. I'm not a piece of shit. Yeah. I'm actually perfectly somewhere in the middle and yeah. that is perfectly okay. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. that, that takes a long time to realize that where I am yeah. is actually okay. Yeah. Who I am is actually okay. For sure. Yeah, it takes time. time. Exactly. It takes a long time. And... Um, I like the definitions, the two definitions that I carry with me for humility are teachability. Yeah. And that's, impo- that's important mm-hmm. because to remain teachable, yeah. you know, and to be open to learning and open, open-minded. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I was the most closed-minded, mm. judgmental yeah. bastard on earth. Yeah. Oh my Again, God, the ego bad. shuts that oh. door, you know. Yeah. A huge ego. Uh, no, I know everything. I yeah. don't need to be taught everything. I know everything. I know the politics in America. I know about this. I know about everything. Mm. <laughs> um, and then the other definition is like accepting myself as I am. Yeah. My light and my dark. Yes. My good, good attributes and my, my um, not so good attributes, yeah. you know. And accepting to start off that starting position is to accept myself like that yes and then to try to grow and develop my better aspects you know yeah and, that, uh, that's for me what recovery is as well and you started with with your spiritual thinking in terms of awareness it's absolutely that awareness is imperative mm, it's mm. to realize to be aware when my mind is going into the less good part of me when my mind is starting to tell me things because you said your ego shouts at you yeah. and the problem with the ego shouting for me was that I believed what he shouted yeah. I, I didn't have another voice to, to, to shout back and that's another thing I discussed with my psychologist today was the self talk that I engage in today is I talk back to the ego talking to me mm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I say no mm. I, I, I virtually say to my, in my head, I'm not going to go there with you. Mm. <laughs> Stop it. I'm not going to go there. Mm. And then I don't. Mm. Yeah. I didn't no, realize yeah. I had a voice. Yeah. And, and recovery gave me that voice to talk back. So I'm, yeah. no, yeah. I'm not a useless piece of shit. Because no. my no. thing is, I would sit typing a document and make a typing error and up my bed would tell me, you fucking idiot. My no. ego would shout, fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. And I have to then go back yeah. and say, I'm oh, not yeah, a fucking idiot. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah. I still do it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Say, and then I say, wait yeah. a minute. On my oh, support group <laughs> the other day, I, 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 I posted, my normal talk was, fat and ugly, useless piece of shit. Today it was fucking idiot. Is this progress? <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just got a few, a few smiling faces. <laughs> but I'm married to a non-addict and one of my best friends I met in Riyadh and she's married to a non-addict mm-hmm. and we were having dinner one night mm. and the two addicts were, we were talking about the things our heads tell us mm. and the self-talk that we engage in mm. and both our husbands went do you really say those things to yourself and we were yeah. Yeah. and they were stunned they yeah. couldn't believe that this is what what we engage oh. in <laughs> the conversations yeah. that happen exactly in our heads. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 
I like uh, what he also says actually with the ego shouting all those things the 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 like you better than and you you actually worse than is that God and and my understanding or my um what I've grown to believe is that God lives inside me yeah and God whispers in the silence mm. you know in the yes. field <laughs> in the quiet yeah and he speaks through our intuition meet me in the field come yeah. be be quiet yeah listen we listen to our gut yeah. And we listen to that inner voice, and recovery is about starting to, learning to listen to that voice, yeah. and to trust that voice, and to go with it. Yes, because my experience has also been no, no. I'm going to go with what my my head's yeah. telling me, and with what what I want to do, or what my ego is telling yeah. me. No, no, you must do this. Don't do what you're sitting here in yeah. your stomach, because. It might, it's, maybe it's easier actually to do what I want. Yeah. And it's more gratifying. It's more um, uh, instant gratification to do what I want to do. But my gut's saying, don't do that. <laughs> it's like even, even if you, you want to run to the shop, you want to drive to the shop quickly and you've got the oven on and you get to the car <laughs> and you're about to start the car and you think, I'm only going to be five minutes at the shop, but I've got the oven on. Yeah. And that idea it will comes be okay. into it. It will be okay. As soon as you think that, yeah. and you get that feeling, you must go and switch yes, the oven absolutely. off. But sometimes you can drive to the shop and go and w- without thinking yeah. it, and you'll be back. But if you th- you realize you've left, you're starting the car, you realize you've left the oven on, and you ignore it, you'll meet someone at the shop, <laughs> you'll go and have coffee, and yeah. the house will burn down. Yeah. It's <laughs> actually know? really interesting what, what you're saying there, because that's exactly the, that that gut feel mm. that I became so good at not listening or, or yeah. to ignore it. Yeah. And that's something that in early recovery when my counselor would say to me, but what does your gut tell you? And I said, I don't know. There was so much noise. There was so much stuff happening yeah. that I, I couldn't trust the, 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 the little that, that I heard. I couldn't and trust. it was little if non-existent. Yeah. I had to almost. learn to become quiet, as you said, because... Mm. God whispers. Mm. So be quiet mm. so that you can hear the voice and actually know know what that is. Mm. And I think recovery is about growing that yeah. that trust and that faith in your voice, in your inner voice. What's, what's your experience with listening? Okay, th- this, this is a weird question. Do you, do you meditate? Meditate, yeah, no. yeah. I try. Eh? I've been through various stages of meditating, okay. but... Um, yeah, mindfulness and mindful um, teachers. I, I, I listen recently. I've been listening again to Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese monk. Okay. He's a great mindful teacher. Mindful. I never heard of him. Spell that. Really. T-H-I-C-H. T-H-I-C-H. Okay. N-H-A-T. N-H-A-T. H-A-N-H. H-A-N-H. Okay, cool. Something like that. Cool. Well, when I, when I edit this, I'll write it down for myself. Yeah. And? He's great. Did meditation work for you right from the start? Um, or did you resonate with meditation right from the start? Yeah, I resonated with, with, it? With, with it right from the start. And I, uh, my journey with meditation has been uh, up and down. You know, there's been times when it's been really good and then I've lost it, you know. And I think, I think that's also part of recovery is we kind of move into a space and we're in that space yeah. and then we drift off, you know. We drift off from our, our true selves and yeah. we... And then we come back again. I had a sponsor who taught me about 
about ebb and flow. You yeah. always used to swipe his hand like that. <laughs> ebb and flow. Yeah. At some stages we will be ebb and some stages yeah, we will be because flow. Because we're and human beings, okay. yeah. exactly. I mean, if we were going to be perfectly in tune with, with ourselves and everything, then we'd be saints and, yeah. we'd, uh, and we'd be walking on water. And I always say to my sponsors, you're not the fucking Buddha, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reaction I get. Kind of, how could you say that? But that's true. You know, we 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 live with these car noises outside and and, and children yeah. playing and you know, the, the the whole idea of of, of of absolute quiet meditation. That's a myth for mm. for me. No, for sure. For do sure. you do you use an app or um, do you meditate while you're listening to? To the monk, for instance. I've done, yeah. He does guided, you know, there okay, are cool. guided meditations. Um, I also listened to Tara Brock's guided. Oh, I love Tara Brock. Yeah, very nice. I love her concept of of, of, of relaxing back, mm. and I used it earlier. Mm. Just kind of mm. don't fight something, just mm. relax back. Mm. I really mm. like that. Mm. Have you met Sarah Blondin? No. Oh, oh my word! Look for Sarah Blondin meditations. She she. Her website is Live Awake. Okay. I'm warning you. I'm a gay man and I fell in love. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. She has the most amazing meditations. She speaks. It's as if she's got a drill that she drills into the most sensitive part of her soul. And that's where she talks. Nice. Wow. She is is amazing, really. Mm. Yeah. I became obsessed with and I'm a gay man so as a straight man be careful <laughs> I'm warning you I'm warning you she's, she's dangerous you have to be very strong spiritually before you listen to her <laughs> so, so that, that's a question you can ask somebody are you strong enough for Sarah Blondin <laughs> if you are then you have passed the test <laughs> looking at your art mm. your art is very nature based mm. Mm. Because you do a lot of animals, mostly animals, yeah. actually. Yeah. Do you spend a lot of time in nature? Did you spend a lot of time in nature? How, how did this animal thing happen for you? Mm. Yeah, I think I do, uh, I, I do enjoy animals. I mean, I, I, it's not that I spent, I've spent a lot of time in nature. I live behind a farm. Okay. Um, so I'm kind of, there's quite a lot of nature. I mean, <laughs> does nature exist? <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I think I've always liked nature, the natural world. I love uh, walking in the mountains. That's oh, cool. one of my that's one of my spiritual activities. Okay. I love it. And I, uh, like Newlands Forest at this time of the year, October, November is the best. There's so much. So would you there. drive from Cape Town to go and walk in Newlands Forest? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. Oh, wow. the, okay. Recently, I've been walking on Table Mountain often. Okay. Every weekend, oh, up wow. and down, around. Um, I've even had a swim. <laughs> in one of the dams on top of the... Are you serious? Yeah. You know, I don't know if you're allowed to swim in them, actually. <laughs> there are, there are reservoirs yeah. up yeah. Up, in the, up there. Yeah, and they're full and they're cold. The water's freezing, mm. but it's uh, this is maybe a new thing now is to swim in cold water. It's swimming okay. in cold water is like quite... Are you serious? This is my new thing now, the sea and... Are you and also... Uh, have, have you also tried to think of turning your shower water cold? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A spiritual awakening you want. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. If water is not bath temperature, I'm not interested as well, in it. I never could. I couldn't. There's always change. There's room for change. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. No. I, you know, I think with recovery, recovery is not always easy, you know, and um, sometimes we go to the depths of our soul and, and things come up that we blocked out. And, mm. But, you know, going through all that pain and that struggle in recovery, it's, it's, it's worth it, you know, and, and in fact, um, it wouldn't be anything without all that pain and that struggle, yeah. you know, and um, it's a journey and uh, it's about change, you know, and I think I've become a little bit more accustomed to changing. Okay. And um, and also accepting that, I, well, almost like wanting to change, you know, yeah. and once I've changed, oh, I'm going to keep changing. Mm. I'm, it's not, never going to end. Yeah. I want to keep changing. My psychologist asked me today, so why do you still work the steps? Oh. And I kind of, because the steps, is, they must steps to growth. No. And, and, and no. through growing, I train. So no. why would I, Definitely. if I look at, at what I've got from Definitely. doing it, why would I stop? Definitely. It'll be insane of me to stop. Why this, don't I stop? This guy Bob that I refer to, a bit of a mentor for me, he worked the steps every year. He got 35 years sober. Oh, wow. He worked the steps yeah. every year. And he said, you know, I don't know if one has to work the steps every year, but I think I'll know when I need to work the steps yeah. again if there's something happening, you know. Um, you know, or if I'm uncomfortable. But like he says, is if he doesn't like something about himself or he's, he's grown to be someone he doesn't like so much anymore, yeah. he'll work the steps, yeah. you know. And... Um, to learn more about yourself as a human being is a wonderful thing. It makes life worthwhile living. Don't you so? What someone was talking about, Anthony DeMello, on Friday night, last a week ago, and um, he was saying that Anthony DeMello, um, he said that people don't get helped. It's quite interesting. Let, let, let's hear this. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you don't get helped, you help yourself. Yeah. And uh, and I really, I've been thinking about it the whole week. And because um, I like to help people, it's part of my recovery. It's, yeah, of course. It's like I want to uh, try and share some of my experience to help someone yeah. into recovery. It's part of recovery and I love it. I love working with people. I love um, accompanying people through the steps mm. on a journey. As well. And then say to them go and find someone to help as well yeah but i'm doing it to help myself <laughs> ultimately you know and i always think of gandhi he said people would say to him why are you why are you you've given up your law practice you've given up everything you've given up all your possessions and you're helping people why did you do it why do you do it and he simply said i do it for myself yeah <laughs> Very and, true. and it's not a selfish act it's yes. more about your your spirit you're doing it for your for your nature yeah. you know, as a human being and to and by helping yourself you can help the world yeah you know um if you wanted that old saying if you want to change the world begin by changing yourself yes you know? a lot of people say but you know I'm, I'm spiritual or i'm i'm religious don't tell me show me mm. be, be it mm. Mm. and then I, exactly. will, I will follow very much so. and i think that is something that for me that that worked for me in, in recovery in the fellowships in recovery is I couldn't believe somebody could be clean but I saw people who were clean they are being clean and to see people who are clean gave me the realization that 
if they can, I can as well. Exactly. That was exactly. a huge thing yeah. for me. Yeah. It's, it's all about I, action. Yeah, you know? I, would nev- I would never believe I could do something until I see somebody else doing it. But once yeah. somebody else does it, then my head tells me, well, if they can do it, you can do it as well. Exactly. And to and to accept these people like Gandhi as human beings, you know, yeah. or, or Bill W., one of the founders of the 12-step program, he was a human being. He wasn't Absolutely. Absolutely. He wasn't infallible, wasn't perfect. You know, I don't know yeah. how many human... I don't think there are any human beings that are perfect. No. I had a wonderful sponsor who once said to me, well, human beings are created as pack animals so that we can need each other. And the reason why we need to need each other is because we're not perfect. Had we been created perfectly, we would not need anybody. So... It made perfect sense, mm. and and that's how I started to, to accept my own my own um, um, infallibility mm. because gee was that I struggle with that mm. because my whole um, 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 my whole life was right. about trying to be perfect yeah and trying to do things ourselves yes. on our own absolutely yeah without help and totally without, without so. people yeah yes. totally isolated I was extremely isolated when I came in to recovery and also extremely lonely. Yes, I Desperately can imagine. Lonely, you know? How do you deal with working on your own? Yeah, I look at you and I, very good question, and I kind of see you as the type of, of guy who can disappear in mm. for, for days mm. into a into mm. a work. Mm. And that's been a, a, a struggle for me in recovery. Okay. And that's why I've worked at other places, worked for different... Okay. Um, like we started, we're ending off where we started, but... Um, but it's been important to, to learn to be on my own and learn to be with myself, by myself again, without isolating. Yeah. You know, that's an important To know the difference yeah. between, yeah. this is now self-care, yeah. being by myself, it's okay, and isolating, and to try to, Yeah, and to learn to meditate while I work and that. And I, I mean, it's only, it's only kind of happening now, you know, that I'm starting to really settle and get back to work uh, on my Because I work on my own. Yeah. I, I, I weld... Um, but there's this balance that one I can still work and I can still see people because I love people and I've always liked people. You know, I'm a I'm a people guy. Okay. You know, I'm not an isolator. Even though I, I was and I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think uh, I remember a friend of mine who's also in recovery. He always said we are we are. Our, our default is to isolate. Yeah. We are people that isolate and we must go out of our way to make an effort to meet new yeah. people and to connect with other people. And I, I hear that, you yeah. know, I hear that all the time because one can slip back into those forms, yes. those habitual forms quite easily. Any of those habitual forms, that you can go back to sleep. Oh, abs- <laughs> like yeah, absolutely, yeah. Take yeah. Away. Take, go pull that over your head yeah, and pretend and, and that and it's that only midday, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even the, so. the sun hasn't even set yet. My you know? theory there is that our addict wants us to be alone because then it's got power. Yeah, yeah. It's then those voices stop. You're the, not good enough, or you. And then than. we can believe it. Well, yeah. Once our addicts got us alone, yeah. then the, the the attack can start, and and we and we're not strong enough to mm. to fight back on our own. Mm. Mm. So that that whole thing that they teach in beginning of recovery to an addict alone is in dangerous territory or to be in your own head is in dangerous territory, mm. that's really, really true for me mm. as well. Because mm. mm. once oh, I'm for alone sure. for a while and, and this head starts running, I start believing what it tells me. Yeah. No, and that's why practicing mindfulness, being present, breathing, um, trying to be aware, using all your senses, your listening, 
to the wind outside um, seeing being aware of where you are the smells the feel of the wind on your skin yeah that's so important you know I had a chat yesterday with a lady for the podcast as well who was diagnosed with stage 4 brain cancer sure so she's busy she's busy dying and she has to accept it mm. the type of cancer she has can't be cured mm. and we were talking about this thing of how she suddenly tastes tea when she drinks it the mindfulness that she has developed through this might be the last time I do this. Amazing. Amazing. And while we were chatting, it was on Skype and we lost the connection. And while I was waiting for the connection to come up, I took a sip of coffee and it was amazing that (laughs) action of, I am going to take a sip of coffee now, that absolute mindfulness, just listen to it talk. I said to her afterwards, well, I already got something from from this talk. So if, if your mission is to proclaim mindfulness it's working (laughs) so and that's so important that's everything we do it can be the last time that that we do it we might as well be present and and enjoy while we're doing it or even if it's unpleasant enjoy be aware of the unpleasantness of it Mm. because it's also real Mm. awesome is there anything about your spiritual journey that you still want to share with us that you want us to know no, I was just thinking about this quote that's been sitting with me over the last few days. Because <laughs> we were talking about a quote of um, Gandhi. That's what yes. made me think of it. This is Thomas Merton. and Thomas um, Merton? Yeah, I don't know okay. if you've heard of him. Uh-uh. He, he was also a contemplative uh, guy and okay. spent a lot of time uh, meditating and being quiet. And a um, very interesting guy. Also with been with me throughout my recovery. Okay. You know, his, his writings and... Um, he said that uh, um, prayer and love are really learned in the hour when prayer becomes impossible and your heart turns to stone. Ah, like cool, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Repeat it. Prayer and love are really learned in the hour when prayer becomes impossible and your heart turns to stone. Yeah, because that's when you really, really need to when you fall on your knees and you say, please help me. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. So as I, as I said now, is there anything else about your, your spirituality that you want to share with us? Have you said everything? Um, yeah, I think so. That just, you can uh, think of now. I mean, there is so much. Yeah. I, I know with your chat with Matt, but there, there was just so, so much. Yeah, no, for sure there is. Um, we could chat for longer. Um, no, I just want to encourage people, you know, to try to get to know themselves better you know and um and people that are in recovery just to um to keep at it work those steps you know go through them there's no perfect way of working the steps and just do it yeah you know get through it and you can always do it again next year or whenever now that we've been looking at at this book of mine about the the steps for non-addicts do you subscribe to Mm. that that people don't have to be addicted to find benefits in looking at the principles that Mm, that mm. we learn definitely I subscribe to it I'm actually I've introduced the steps to someone now well uh, you know whether she, she's a, she's an adult child she, both ah. her parents were oh my word were um, so you know she's she's not necessarily an addict but um, uh, but so I think <laughs> I think the 12 steps can benefit anybody yeah. definitely you know we um, like I said earlier we live in an addictive society yeah. the our phones stimulate our mm. dopamine levels. Um, Facebook, chocolates, sugar, magnums, 
You and now you're talking it, yeah. all the things I love dearly. <laughs> Me too. I'm busy dealing with a magnum addiction, addiction at it, the moment. Oh <laughs> Yop and I started banting again on Monday. So um, mm. no sugar at the moment, minimum carbs. Mm. And I had three Coffee. very, 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 very low days. But since yesterday, I'm starting to, mm. to, to, to lift, mm. lift up again. Mm. But sugar for me, mm. cake. Mm. Oh, mm. oh what's my new addiction is cake cane. <laughs> anyway, Michael, yeah. thank you so, thank you. so, so much. Thank I you really appreciate you, you coming through and chatting to much. us tonight. I know you're on your way to an AA meeting. Mm. So um, can you enjoy that? Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank cool. you very much. Yeah. Happy to have you here. Look after yourself. So, cheers. Uh, thanks. Bye. I really respect Michael's no-crap-day conspirituality. Cultivate an awareness of what is wrong and how to correct it, and take the necessary action to be the best person you can be. No frills, no noise. He has such a calm nature, one automatically feels serene in his presence. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at at Freddy, or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.